everyone, and welcome back to the Humans of James River. You are listening to Season 2, Episode 4, and my guest today is Mr. Beck, who is a biology teacher at James River High School. Today, he will be speaking on race relations and the biracial relationship that he was in a couple years ago. I hope that you all enjoy. So thank you for asking me to be part of this. Uh, it's always fun to to share stories uh, about my life, even if they are from a really, really long time ago. Um, so I uh, I mentioned that I had been in an inter- interracial relationship, um, you know, after college uh, when I was you know in the in the working world. Um, and so I had two experiences I wanted to share. The first was, um, when we were at a 4th of July, um, picnic outside event in her area. She lived in West Southwest Philadelphia, which was, was an area where a lot of, uh, immigrants lived, uh, a lot of people from Western Africa, uh, Liberia, Sierra, Sierra Leone, Ivory Coast. Um, and uh, incidentally, they, they also had a, a fairly decent-sized Jamaican population. This uh, young lady was uh, Jamaican. Her mom had come from Jamaica, I believe, when she was pregnant with her, and so she was born in the States. So anyway, uh, this girl and I had worked together for a while and then were dating um, and so I went to this cookout on 4th of July and I was the only white dude there. Uh, and I, you know, I didn't really think anything of it at the time. I was, you know, in my polo shirt and khakis. And I remember getting in the food line to, you know, everyone had their tables with food out. And, uh, I was just holding my plate and, uh, walking down the line and my, uh, girlfriend's aunt was right behind me and some big guy comes up beside me behind me and grabbed me by the shoulder and started to give me the what for asked me who I was and, and you know not not really you know not actually physically aggressive or anything like that but just wanted to know who I was I guess I may have looked like a uh, I don't know cop or something I'm not really sure but anyway uh her aunt was able to clear it up for me, and we had a good laugh and uh, a good rest of the time at, at this picnic. And so um, the other story I wanted to share was when uh, it was actually on my uh, birthday many years ago, which is actually today. Today is my birthday. Um, so it happened today many years ago. We were out at a restaurant in the town I lived in, which was just outside of Philadelphia, in a very white suburban area. Um, and so we had a nice dinner and I remember we went outside, we, we got in the car and all the places up there, you got a parallel park on the street. So it's always, you know, it's always a pain going around the car. Getting in the car. So anyway, we, we are getting in the car and, uh, I just opened the driver's side door and she goes and hops in the car and jumps over to her seat and I hopped in the car, and I remember distinctly a white woman stood in front of our car as we were trying to pull out, yelling at us. I'm not 100% sure exactly what she was yelling, but it was something along the lines of she thought one of us 
was being robbed or assaulted or I'm, I, I don't really know. I just remember it was a very weird experience. I had to like stick my head out of the window and be like, can, can you get out of our way? Like we're, we're trying to go home. Like we're not, you know, we're, we're, we're a couple. And it was just a very uh, weird experience. And I remember, I guess if I were to draw a comparison between the two experiences, you know, within the, the you know, we'll say black community, I, I, was, I was accepted. It was great. We had a, a nice time. And then in this, this suburban white community, I was kind of left to feel like, um, I guess, uncomfortable. Uh, about the the whole situation. I've even spoken to her uh, one time since initially telling you about this, Ireland, just to make sure it was okay uh, to share this story. And she said, you know, those two experiences did stick out in her head as well as being things that were kind of markers of the the differences and the issues you deal with uh, when dealing with race and relationships and all that. So yeah, those are my my two two stories I really remember that stick out in my head. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing. Also, happy birthday! <laughs> I hope you're having a great day. I'm um, glad. Thank you for talking to me on your birthday. Yeah, I mean, I'm in school. Um, I teach biology on my birthday. What's not great about that? Exactly the the best thing in life teaching yeah. biology, obviously. Um, and so I just have a couple of questions for you. Um, one of them that kind of hearing your story, thinking about it, how do you think possibly these situations could have differed if the roles were reversed? So if it was a black man dating a white woman, do you think some of these situations might have played out differently or, you know, people would have more of a problem or less of a problem with it? Yeah, uh, I, I, I definitely think so. I, um, you know, I, I, I imagine, um, if if you're asking my opinion, I imagine a a maybe a, a white woman. I, I I don't really know, but I would imagine it would be a less confrontational experience right away in at a you know Fourth of July cookout. Um, I think a, a you know the the view of a white man um, in that scenario is maybe one of a, a more offensive issue. Uh, now in regard to the, the being accosted at our car in the, the white suburb, I think that would have gone drastically different if she were a white female and I was a black male. Um, and I think that's, uh, you know, for very obvious reasons, if you paid attention to anything going on in our society and culture recently, I, I could see that turning out very differently. Um, because it's even different, you know, for me as a white man to roll down my window and, and have a discussion or attempt to clear something up with, uh, another white person asking me a question. Whereas if I, a black man were trying to do that, you know, I mean, it's, you can read anything in our society that says, you know, well, you're looked at as angry and mean, you know. But when you're a black person doing it, when that's not true at all, that's just this, uh, I don't know whether to call it a lie or just a, a ignorant falsehood uh, that's in our society. Um, so, yeah, I think it would have been hugely different had our roles been reversed. No, I definitely agree with that. Sadly, I wish it wasn't 
like that. And it's I luckily, you know, about time we're finally break breaking down the stereotypes, I think, a bit more with, you know, everything with Black Lives Matter and everything. I hope that it is helping. Um, but with that, um, how, I'm just wondering when you were talking, um, did your family ever meet your girlfriend or like were they totally accepting or were they was it new to them too? Because I know even just knowing my friends who have, I'm not from the South, but a lot of my friends obviously are because we live in Virginia. And I know some, you know, white people or black people still biracial dating is taboo for some reason. Yeah. So, um, yes, my, my family met her, uh, I think everyone in my family, like aunts, uncles, cousins, my brothers, my dad. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't anything particularly new in my family. Uh, and, and maybe that's the wrong way to phrase it. My oldest cousin, who's uh, about 10 years older than me, married a black man. Um, and I remember when that this was the late nineties when they, they met and married. And I remember what an awkward transition that was for my family. Like I remember the first time my dad was telling me we were going to meet my cousin Jen's uh, boyfriend who was about to become her fiance. And I remember him saying, yeah, he's a really nice guy. He's, he's this, he's that. And my dad, I remember my dad looking at me and going, yeah, but he's, he's black. So, you know, and like that inflection, that tone, you know, nothing against my dad. My dad's a fine human being, you know, um, and not not a, you know, overtly racist person or anything like that. But just the the cultural we understanding we had. Um, and so at the time that, you know, I I was dating this girl, it wasn't new for my family. And I remember actually one um one time we went uh, the first time my aunt and uncle and cousins met her we went to my um my aunt and uncle's house and my uh my oldest cousin and her husband and her her two daughters were there her son wasn't there uh and her children are obviously biracial and i remember the youngest one ashley who was about five or six at the time just staring at my girlfriend Amanda um, because uh, I, I mean I guess it's it was just different for her to see a black woman um, at a at a family meal even though you know our, our families you know interracial or, or whatever it was just a different experience it was really uh, pretty pretty neat. Uh, to see her reaction, and I, I think it was maybe affirming. I, I don't know. That's that's what I hope. So, uh, I, I mean, it wasn't wasn't weird or anything. I, I do remember, you know, I have two brothers, so I do remember one of my brothers making a a comment to me that wasn't again overtly racist, but maybe uh, there's a term called like adversive racism. Um, and that has more to do with um, our the the level of ignorance in our cultural understanding. I keep mixing those two words up when they're not really the same thing. Um, but yeah, I, I remember that. But it, it wasn't. Uh, there was no. Uh, there were no problems. There was no like anger over issues or anything like that. As opposed to my. 
cousin in the late nineties who there was, there were, there was some family stuff that happened and it was, it was awkward, but yeah, I can only imagine because in the night, obviously I wasn't alive then, but just knowing and learning history, um, imagine, but I'm glad to know that you're, everyone's very accepting your family, which I figured, but yeah, just wanted to ask, um, another thing, you know, being in a biracial relationship with a black woman, did that kind of give you insight and kind of change your perspective on what people in the black community have to go through every day? Just, I mean, not, you know, obviously you felt some of that from the two stories that you told, but just, you know, being in a relationship with a black woman, you know, she's, she tells you everything, like knowing she had to go through adversity that, being a white person, you never have to really think about or have to deal with. So how did it change your perspective and kind of helped you learn um, what, what people in that community have to go through? Um, so it, it changed my perspective in that I, I, I don't want to say like I came to a new understanding or like I always knew there were different struggles, but I, I, I guess I, I was, I, I'm going to say, awakened to the idea that I, I could never really know. You know, I can, I can, uh, you know, I can uh, be sympathetic and I can have feelings and I can say, oh, that's horrible. But I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a white dude. Like, I, I don't, I don't have to deal with that struggle. And like her, her family, she had a, uh, uh, one one brother who was a little bit younger, and then two uh, other sisters um, who were both younger. And um, I, I I never had to deal with the issues of people looking at me, you know, for no good reason when I'm just trying to go to the grocery store. Like so, uh, you know, like her her brother that I mentioned, his his name was Baby. Well, they, his name wasn't Baby, but they always called him Baby because. They just called him baby. He's a really, really nice guy. And I actually I actually took a pair of his boots, Timberland boots, that I still have and I still wear in the snow. Shh, don't ever tell him. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they're very nice boots. Um, they were just lying around, so I just grabbed them one day. I, I, figured, he, I figured he would grow out of them. He was only like 13 at the time. Um, <laughs> but he was, he was a really nice kid, but growing up, uh, I could see that there were there were issues prevalent that I was exposed to. Um, like her, there was no father in the picture. There was no no male um, role model, and so and that's something that's not that isn't unique to just you know a black family. That's something that you know every family can struggle with um, from time to time. But uh, I. I noticed it was particularly tough on baby. And I remember, um, I think it was maybe six years ago. I know they had to, um, put him in a mental hospital for a little while. He had some real issues that became, that were amplified and made more severe by his, um, you know, by his treatment in this, you know, white supremacist society we live in, um, you know, his treatment, um, as angry, aggressive, out of control when really 
we're talking about a 13 year old kid that was lonely and needed a dad and and wasn't out of control, just wanted someone to be there and have a catch with him. And so, you know, I, I know initially you asked, like, how did it shape my understanding? Um, I guess being able to see that and know that, you know, on a if that was me, you know, if that was a, one of my brothers, like, we're white kids. Like, we wouldn't have been looked at like that. But because of you know, the color of someone's skin, we live in a society that would look at a a kid and call them angry and aggressive instead of lonely and needy, which is what kids are, (laughs) you know, so. Yeah, no, definitely. And it, I, I mean, I've obviously also have never had to go through that, but just, you know, being a teenager and being aware and trying to educate myself as much as much as possible, I've noticed that, this is a different, like, from white teenagers to black teenagers. If you, you can literally have the same exact personality traits but or have the same mental illnesses and be described completely different just because of the color of your skin, which just makes zero sense. What's, like, it's, it's, it's horrible. It just doesn't make any sense to me that we are, do, we should have never done this, but we're still doing this in the year 2020. It's just awful, but. The last question I have for you is kind of, um, it's just, I always like, that's usually how I finish out. I was asking about advice, um, from being in a biracial relationship. Do you have any advice for people who may be in a relationship, um, that's biracial and they face adversity or just, you know, going through this things that, um, that you and your girlfriend had to go through? You know, especially like if a younger couple, a younger biracial couple, do you have any advice for them with dealing with those types of issues? And especially like how it might, ref- it could also affect your relationship and just how you guys were kind of able to get through it. And, you know, because it is hard. Um, but yeah, just any advice that you may have for those people. Um, put shame in its place. Uh, there is... There is no reason um, to be ashamed about loving someone or caring for someone or wanting to be in a relationship with someone. Um, There is a lot of shame to be had for being ignorant and treating people poorly. And that is what, unfortunately, um, you'll experience. Um, And it's unfortunately, it's the society we live in. It's it's. This is America, you know, um, but don't don't allow that to affect you or your relationship. You know, if someone if someone attempts to treat you differently, treat you, the two of you differently, treat a couple differently because of that, then shame on them. And don't waste your time. Don't waste your breath. Don't waste your heart energy. Don't spend any bit of time worrying to make other people happy you know you you know the people we're with and the relationships we are are in that's that's our choice that's that's what we can do and so it's not for anyone to cast doubt on or shame on because that's not what i'm used to you know that's that's not that and so the other thing is be um how do I say this right? Be understanding of that ignorance. So like, because a lot of people 
don't know. And maybe if they were enlightened to it, they could understand. And so I know I'm telling you to, you know, bless those that curse you. Um, And that's really hard. Um, And I know that's like a a churchy reference. And really what that means is you don't you don't repay someone who curses at you with a curse word. You, you you know, you figure out a better way around. Um, But don't allow other people's behavior or potential struggles you're experiencing or will experience affect what you're affect what you're doing and who you're with let that be your decision your decision as a couple and if you know if there are real problems um like directly in the family and they have to be dealt with then deal with them you know but um don't don't let shame trick you don't don't even waste your time with it as long as you're doing what's right in your heart and you're with the person you want to be with that's that's what's important so um yeah put shame in its place yeah that's some great advice thank you and i i've never been a biracial relationship but obviously i i don't care who i date um race wise so that's definitely some advice that anyone can use at any point so thank you very much and just thank you for coming on and talking to me and sharing your story um not just with me but with our gene river community and everyone around the world can listen to this so thank you so much once again i just wanted to thank my guest mr beck for coming on for this episode he is just such, he's just such a great guy, like genuinely a very, very amazing just human being. And I'm so glad I got to get the chance to get to know him a little bit and just to bring him on the podcast to bring some perspective um, into, you know, what it's like to be in a biracial relationship. And I really hope that you guys took something away from this episode. Um, you know, if you would like to contact Mr. Beck, his... CCPS email is just Christopher underscore back at ccpsnet.net. If you have any questions for him or me or just anything like that, you can reach Humans of James River um, on Instagram and Facebook now. We just got a Facebook, which is super exciting, which that will be at Humans of JR Pod on both Facebook and Instagram. As well, our um, Gmail is Humans of James River at gmail.com. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, then our website is www.humansofdamedover.com. If you want to just go check that out, it's pretty nifty if I do say so myself. Um, as well, I wanted to mention and say a big thank you to journalist Jessica Nocera, who interviewed me for the Richmond Times Dispatch. Um, I'm recording this a little bit early, so it just came out for me on Friday, but when this is out, it'll be a few weeks ago, but just, it's, it's crazy. It's such a blessing. I'm just craziness. Um, <laughs> so I definitely want to thank her and shout her out. And if you guys want to check that out, you can just type in the Humans of James River, um, Richmond Times Dispatch or Ireland Rogan Richmond Times Dispatch and she'll come up on your computer. Um, if you want to check out the article, show it some love. I definitely really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, if you guys ever, I know I say this a bunch, but if you ever need anything or you talk to someone, if you're interested in talking to the podcast, just 
reach out to me on one of those socials. Um, even if you don't want to speak on the podcast, but you need someone to talk to, I'm always, always here for each and every one of you. Um, and just, you're all, I'm, I, I'll, even though I might not know who you are in this very moment, you're all amazing, beautiful, wonderful humans who just deserve to feel loved. And so just want to tell you that I love you. And I hope that you have a great rest of your day, your night, whenever you are listening to this episode. I just hope that you're all doing well. And I look forward to speaking with you again in two more weeks. All right. Bye-bye.